This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. I am lucky enough to have two guests on the PR Pod for this episode. Welcome Anna Stark and Tahira Matthews. Thank you for having us. Anna and Tahira join me from their PR agency, Stark Matthews, to chat about media drops, which also could be called media send-outs or product drops, or they could be uh, creative mailers, creative mailers or they could reviews. be press kits that have some, you know, some added extra benefits for journalists in there. Regardless of what they're called, what are the benefits of sending products to media? It depends on what industry you're in, but having a product sent to media with actually try it for themselves means that they can actually have an understanding of what the product is about rather than just reading about it and taking your word for it. Mm, it's that engagement, isn't it? Absolutely. That and that you want them to develop their own experience about whether they like it or maybe they don't like it, but you want them to have a first-hand experience versus just an opinion on it. Absolutely. And it's a moment with that product, whatever it might be. It's actually for them to experience it personally and go... And to appear in front of their face in sometimes a really exciting way to make them stop in their tracks and go, what is this? Mm. And they'll be more effective advocates of something if they have that experience with it. Without a doubt. We know how we are with things. If you tell me something is really good, I could take your word for it or I could try it myself. And then, you know, if you you try it for yourself, you don't have to take someone's word for it. Mm. And I think also another benefit of sending uh, not just gifts but you know relevant products to media is that you gives you the opportunity to start shaping the brand values of you know let's say it's a luxury brand if it's if it's all put together in something that doesn't feel very luxury then there's a bit of a um disconnect disconnect. exactly but if it's all you know it's let's say it's a brand new product that no one has ever heard of before but it's packaged up beautifully the first thing you think is this must be a very premium product so it starts to help build those layers of the the brand values doesn't it absolutely the same with an eco brand if everything is recyclable if there's minimal minimal packaging that sort of thing so it could be in the different yeah or a fun young brand that's got really kind of quirky copy and straight away you can see from the box that they've said something really funny and unique it talks to who they are Mm. and being beauty pr specialists your agency must have sent out a lot of (laughs) a lot of different things to media over the years absolutely talk me through some of the examples of of when you do send stuff out yeah, absolutely. And I should say that these days it's um, journalists and influencers that we send yes. to. Um, it used to be back in the day when we started you know, a list of 40 journalists, but now it's definitely a much larger list and um, a whole lot of influencers as well as our usual journalists and, and producers. Yeah, so when we're sending a product to journalists and influencers, it's about what are the brand values? What do you want them to take away from this? What do you want to experience from receiving this product? So we mentioned we do what we call press kits quite a lot lot with beauty products Um, and that's really finding a unique way to get it into people's hands so they do stop in their tracks. One that kind of comes to memory straight away was a fun one that we worked on for Swispers which is a kind of uh, beauty essentials and one of the products that they have is wipes. So one of the themings that they were going through at that time it was party season, the official party season and they were targeting um, girls who'd been out and they wanted it to be a quick fix when you got home remove your makeup and go to bed so what we created was the ultimate hangover kit so we sent it to journalists and influencers 
on a Friday morning, knowing that a lot of people do tend to go out on a Thursday. It included all the usual suspects and a few fun things. So it included a bottle of Coke. It included some chips. It was some chocolate. It was some... Barocca, it was... Hydrolytes, it was a bottle of water. It was all these fun things. And then um, a sneaky $5 note, sorry, $10 note for your morning Maccas. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we got a great lot of feedback from that saying, oh, my God, guys, so fun, so hilarious, and really kind of was talking to that youthful brand values in, to be honest, a pretty inexpensive way to go out to media. And you're really shaping the moment of how how that, product can be utilized or, or how you're hoping people will write about it being utilized yeah, as well. Absolutely. It's really shaping that for them. Absolutely. Um, you know, talking about your timing of delivering on a Friday morning, the timing of, of how you put together kits is so important. It's not just about when that right delivery is the day or the time, but how much time you've got to pull it together. Because if you want to do something that's quite bespoke, that might have logos printed onto a beautiful leather box or something, it could take you months to get that printed somewhere. You need to take into account how long until you actually send it out and what is achievable within that time. And the budget as well. You know, always the budget. It could be that you're just sending it to 10 people and it's bloody amazing or you're sending it to 50 people and it's not as amazing, but it's still as effective. And I think, I guess that comes down to, what the goals are, like you mentioned, you know, do you want to reach as many journalists or influencers as you can or are you happy just targeting a handful of them? What considerations do you guys think about when you are working on that recipient list? So it might be um, the values of the brand, like we were talking about. Is it a luxury brand? If it's a luxury brand, we may only want to target people who really talk to those brand values. So certain publications that are associated with with luxury, um, influencers that have content um, that talks to that kind of aesthetic that might be a really small curated list. If, for example, the objective is more about, hey, let's create hype so everyone feels like they're seeing it everywhere, we may go out to 100 people and that's more about um, we want to get a snapshot on their stories or on their social media and some media clips as well so that people are like, what is that brand? I'm seeing Everyone's it talking about it. Yep. Mm. It's also really important to us to ensure that whatever we're doing to amplify send out does relate back to the brand in some way because it's all well and good to send out a beautiful something but if it actually makes no sense and there's no reasoning it's then purely just gifting and Mm. it doesn't work it doesn't resonate it doesn't make them think about the brand and yes it can happen but when we always like to make sure that things that we send out some way relate back to the campaign to the brand so there's a clear connection there Mm. and look i guess there's other times where you could be sending stuff to media And it's not product related. So it could be Mother's Day and you're Mm -hmm. sending all the key media a bunch of flowers on behalf of a brand that you represent saying, you know, from this brand to you, hope you enjoy your Mother's Day. So it's about understanding the goals and what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to achieve brand awareness by just keeping top of mind at the time of year, you know, whatever it may be? But first and foremost, it's really about creating cut through. So it's about stopping people to go, wow, I got some flowers. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I got a hangover kit. What's that for? All these things to get people talking and thinking about the brand. And I guess you also have to manage the expectations of your client because from a send out, you know, you would know from whichever sector you happen to work in, what's the likelihood of someone putting it on stories or Instagram? Mm -hmm. 
what's the likelihood of them writing something from it? And if they are going to write something about it, is it going to be within two weeks? Is it going to be three months? So how do you measure those? How do you um, manage those expectations with clients as to what the ROI will be from sending something out? So when we do this with any sort of PR, there are no guarantees. So it comes down to your execution, relationships, many factors like that. But at the end of the day, we cannot guarantee you without any doubt, a number of hits. So we have to ensure, one, that you have good relationships, that two, you have good execution and that it's going to the right people. But when we have to come back with suggested KPIs, we would base it on previous campaigns that are like-minded. We'd base it on some kind of fact because while we can't guarantee, we can at least show what we've done before and what we've achieved. And it may be that there's been changes in the climate or in technology or something, for example, when stories first started it used to be how many pitches on the feed could you get but then people started posting to stories so we had to manage expectations and communicate what that meant and in fact we had quite um a difficult client situation one day when stories had just launched and she was particularly unhappy that all the coverage had appeared on stories rather than on the feed and anyone who uses instagram knows that the first place you go is stories so we were trying to explain the engagement is actually higher on stories i also would have seen um your product on stories but it, it is around having those talks with your client and trying to ahead of time educate them on that that's also something to consider there is the lead times as well exactly like you were saying brooke is that so social media is obviously in for some people it might be as soon as they arrive they want to put it on social media as for some people it may be that you've got delivery times so they live in western australia so they won't receive the product for another week so it may take a little bit longer and then um, it comes to media and if it's a monthly magazine that's three to four months in advance they write so if you're sending something out tomorrow you may get your instant hits from social media then but waiting for the coverage to come out from a magazine monthly magazine can take a little while longer And on the flip side, working towards uh, the timings of a monthly magazine, if all of your hits on social come out early before the product is available, then you've got to think about how that's going to benefit you or not benefit you. Yeah, absolutely. And look, influencers are certainly a lot bigger in your uh, sector of beauty than they are in hospitality. Um, And I know from a few of the sendouts I have done in the past to influencers, the ROI of getting them to even post about it can be really quite small because if they're not a brand ambassador, they also have to think about who they are a brand ambassador for. And you're sending them some beauty products, but they already represent something or they have got a contract there. So in your experience, what, what kind of engagement do you get from influencers? Is there a way of giving you a better chance of getting a post? Yeah, so we tend to work mainly from a um, unpaid capacity. We're talking at the moment with um, a sector of influencers called micro influencers. So they generally, or even nano influencers. So nano tend to be uh, about five to ten thousand followers. Um, micros tend to be about ten to fifty thousand followers. So um, the reason we choose to work with these people is because their engagement tends to be a lot higher because they've got a smaller audience where they interact with their audience, they answer questions, they respond to comments, they respond to DMs. Um, but also they're more willing to put something on their feed from an unpaid capacity. They don't necessarily have an um, ambassadorship with L'Oreal, which prevents them from posting about any other brand. Um, they're also not necessarily as curated with their feed as well, so they're more willing to put um, a mix of different 
different types of imagery or show different parts of their life, um, including what they receive on their stories as well. So if we are to do a send out from a an unpaid perspective, that's generally where we'll target it. Unless we feel there's an influencer with a bigger audience that this product will 100% um, they are going to love it for whatever reason. It might be that it's something that they talk about on their feed and we know it's appropriate for them. In saying that, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to cover it, but it's great to be aligned with someone who may tell their highly influential friends. So it may not necessarily drive coverage in every every situation, but it may in some cases just be the fact that we just want to plant the seed with this person. Mm. And look, I have seen cut through where people have sent something to a Kardashian and they obviously aren't paying them, you know, especially mm. Australian brands have seen mm. it, you know, a couple of times now where it's a handbag or it's a, a bathing suit or something like that and they just happen. I mean, but those are so few and far between, aren't absolutely. they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Don't rely on getting a Kardashian to yeah. post about it's your not, project, a product. Yeah, and it's not that we won't send to people sometimes. It's just got to be the right person and perhaps it's a swimsuit that you know in your heart of hearts they're going to like for whatever reason they've talked about the style of bikini they like or whatever it might be it's if you're going to send to people be that are unlikely to post really be targeted and be personalized yeah okay so let's talk about packaging because that's a really crucial element of Mm -hmm. sending something out to a to media or to a journalist what do you have to consider when it comes to working out how you are going to package up let's say you know being beauty it's a selection of products um i think we touched on this briefly but it has to reflect the brand so if it's a luxury brand everything about the execution of that has to be luxury as well if it is an eco brand everything needs to be recyclable minimal packaging if it is a mass brand you know you, you just have to play with the realm that you're in um and you also need to think about how it's going to travel so these days we're sending to all over Australia. So how is a product that um, package that is sent from Sydney going to land in Perth in the same way that as you packed it? So if these are all things to consider. You need to make sure it's got ample um, uh, something to support it to make sure it doesn't break. But again, you don't want to go overboard with packaging with excess plastic. So a lot of thought goes into these yeah. little things. A lot of thoughts go into a bow. You know, if you're tying a bow, we've got a strict rule in our office. It's <laughs> got to be a really decent bow. You don't yeah, want to say looking bow. It seems so trivial, but really it is about that you're representing the brand from the moment they open that package. This is all about that brand. So the little details we think a lot about. And also the availability, you know, you might find some beautiful boxes, but they're getting made overseas and they're going to take, you know, yep. six weeks to come over. So you've got to be quite creative and okay, if that's, if our number one option, it just isn't available because of time or maybe it's because of budget, then how else do we try and present something in a, in a same way within our means Absolutely. and time frame? Mm. Um, I guess you also have to think about the other packaging elements that go into it. You know, are you putting a little calligraphy postcard in there with a personal note is there some kind of brochure is there any kind of supporting information that needs to go with that product and again getting that printed in time and making sure you've got all those elements there yeah and Uh, every send out we do will tend to have some element of a personal note so they know that this is something that they've been chosen as the recipient to receive um and there's kind of a reason that we've chosen them not just 
we're blanket chucking products at everyone. It's we think you'd be really appropriate and we think you'd really love this product from the brand. Mm. And yeah, and I do the same thing. And this is why I would love for you to keep in mind for your five favorite things column yeah. or your whatever it is. Because although you may be, well, you should certainly be following up after to make sure they've received it and to kind of reconnect on what those opportunities may be. You just want to be constantly top of mind without being too pushy and saying, write about it. It's just about making sure that they're referencing that in their little list of opportunities. I think people can sometimes forget the amount of time it takes to package up things. And if, if you are responsible for sending something out, um, then you should really, and you need the help of your team, then give them the heads up in advance and say, look, next Thursday, I'm going to need everyone's help for about an hour and a half or for four hours, whatever it is. So people can set aside that time and it's all hands on deck, Mm -hmm. but you still got to have that attention to detail. You got to make sure that everyone's yeah. tying those photos properly. That your that your products are in there with facing the right way up and not upside yep. down. And it's just it's so small things, isn't it? Absolutely. And as we said, sometimes we're sending out a hundred packages, which that's a lot of man hours involved in that. Um, and in our case, in our agency, exactly that. We'll say, team, there's a product send out going out on Thursday, Wednesday four hours let's pop it in our diaries let's everyone in the boardroom together we'll pop some music on but let's do it you that's director level to account coordinator level Everyone's... every single person is in there getting them out the door yep you can't cut corners you need to make sure that everyone is packed with purpose so mm. and i dare say for the majority of your items they're not perishable so it doesn't matter so much if it sits in a post room or something like that for a day or two do you usually give media the heads up that something's coming or really so depends it on what really it is? depends so sometimes it's very much perishable in that sometimes we'll do a creative send out perhaps it's for a natural brand and they have some really great botanical ingredients perhaps avocado is one of them so we'll organize to send media a really delicious avocado salad for their lunchtime to arrive exactly at lunchtime so we'll give them warning prior to say something perishable is coming not letting them know exactly what it is so there's still that element of surprise um and in some instances we will actually deliver it ourselves because we don't trust couriers to have something be delivered to a journalist as it's exactly as it leaves the door. So if it's something really important. As an example, we had a lip balm brand that brought out some new watermelon lip balms and we created um, bespoke uh, watermelon sorbets that were housed in an empty shell of a watermelon, piled on top with watermelon lollies. It was quite exquisite. Yeah. But they were super delicate and they required refrigerator freezer to deliver them. So we had to coordinate that time that we had to um, have a special special delivery man with a freezer in the back. We had one of us assembling them upon arrival so they were perfect. We can go to the next level when it comes to these send outs. um, But... Sometimes you have to execute that element ourselves to ensure they arrive as expected. There's nothing worse than having all of this creativity and all this planning taken away by something, you know, a, a melted ice cream turning up on your desk. Mm. And especially if you might need that journalist to come down and hand collect it because, again, you don't want it to be sitting somewhere for a couple of hours. Um 
and without prior warning, they might say, no, I'm in the middle of a conference. I can't come down yeah. right now. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be down in two hours. So you've wasted your time standing at the front waiting yeah. for them. So it can take a lot of coordination. Yeah. And I think that's the pre kind of in interaction with them to create the excitement that something's coming. Something's perishable is coming. So, yeah, at two o'clock, we'll be downstairs in your office. Wait for a call for us. We'll meet you down there. They're in anticipation of what it is. We get to see their faces when we deliver it. It's quite, it's quite fun. So I'd love to give listeners some tips on yep. how they can manage these send-outs, whatever form it is, mm-hmm. um, effectively and efficiently. Um, one thing that I would definitely recommend, especially if you're posting something, it's fine if you're Korean because the Korean knows where that product has come from. So if yeah. someone doesn't happen to be there anymore, they can just bring it back to you. But if you're posting and you forget to put a return address on there, um, you don't necessarily know that it's not been delivered. It doesn't mm-hmm. come back to you. So make sure you always have a yep. return to sender address on anything that's being posted. Absolutely. Recipient list, making sure that you check people are still working there. Yes. And yes. updated addresses. Yes. Yes. Um, I think, especially if, you, if you're working in a larger agency, perhaps, or even in-house, if you're inheriting a send-out list from somebody yeah. else, even, even if they did it three weeks prior, it doesn't mean that everybody's still working there. Two or three of those people could have left in those three Absolutely. weeks. So, um, or change jobs, be it the same magazine, but move jobs. And, you know, people have called out companies for doing that before. I remember that a really well-renowned editor with a huge social media following called out a brand because they accidentally had her old title um, instead of her editor title underneath her name. Um, and then that reflects so poorly on the brand. Yeah. They're not across the movements within the industry, that they're sending um, a product to someone not knowing of their important promotion that they'd had recently. Those sorts of things, like checking the spelling of names. If you've spelt someone's name wrong, no matter what you're sending them, that's a really, really bad impression that you're leaving with them. Absolutely, yeah. One thing, I'd like the, the send-outs that I do the most are for beer when I yep. have a beer client. So I've done a gazillion beer send-outs. So I always do a shake test. So, ah. yeah, because I can't tell you the number of times that things have come back because they've been smashed or something like that. So, um, you know, you've got to package them in. Sometimes it's not the prettiest thing because beer reviewers don't generally care yeah. about how things are presented. They just want to taste the beer. So luckily from that perspective, yeah. I can keep it very basic. But yeah, I've got to pack it in there. And then I literally do like a little bartender handshake. Mm, yeah. And if I, can, if I can, A, hear those two bottles, because usually if you're sending Clinking. out a new product, yeah, you're doing two, clicking or there's movement in there. Um, I've got to assume that the postie is going to chuck it into the back of his yeah. van yeah. Um, and then chuck it into the post office somewhere and it's going to you know, fall around a gazillion times. So if you're sending glass out um, and, the, and you don't have any partitions or something like that, just make sure you do a bit of a shake test and yeah. make sure it's not going to be yeah, shattering. Yeah, we've had a number of beauty products open as well, just making sure you seal them oh, yeah. properly and yeah. like turn them upside down before you even put them into packaging. It might be that just generally the seal isn't great so does it need to go in some other packaging? Yeah. And think about if you if you are going to do a note and you get them calligraphy written, calligraphy written, especially if they're a luxury or premium product, that can take some time too. Your calligrapher might need 24 hours to turn Absolutely. that around and some heads up. And so factoring all those things in, I think budget and timing are yeah. really the two of the most important things in order to be able to Even and the execute. notes that you would, we were talking about the, before that, you know, we write a personalized note to everyone who's receiving this product. That's a hundred notes. Yeah. Absolutely. So three minutes times a hundred, that's a lot of time. So you just need to factor that in because again, you don't want to rush it. It looks messy. That's and a sore hand as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very sore hand. Yeah. Um, something else probably to keep in mind, you know, we've had 
a very different year this year with people working from home a whole lot. You've got to think about how they're receiving it in their homes instead of their offices. Um, for example, if you've got um, something housed in a balloon that's going to pop and there's a lot of glitter, I think that that's probably going to end up on their home carpets and things like that, little things like that. Yeah. And they're not going to be that happy about <laughs> yeah. it. No. So just thinking about how people um, are working a bit differently this year and how your send out will impact them, whether it's positively or negatively, just having those little thoughts as well. And back to what we spoke about before, just check where they're working from. They may only yep. be in the office one day a week or yep. no days a week yep. or, you know, maybe rotate what those days are. So We literally have a pre-COVID media list and a post-COVID. COVID media list and half the dresses are completely different mm-hmm. now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing your tips and insight today, ladies. No problem. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or iTunes and are enjoying the podcast, I'd appreciate a quick rating and review. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.